Hi, guys. Before we start the episode, check out my upcoming tour dates at jessicacurson.com. You can follow me personally at Jesse Curson on Instagram and Jessica Curson on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Relatively Sane Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And join our discussion group on Facebook at Relatively Sane Podcast. And if you're listening and you love the podcast, which I know you will, please give us a five-star rating and review telling us what you love about it. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are the best. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Relatively Sane. You know, while I'm recording this, I'm being uh, videotaped also, which is very uncomfortable because I literally just rolled out of bed. Like, I'm not even kidding. I just, like, rolled on the floor and threw clothes on and ran over here to tape this. It's important to videotape now, but, like, my hair is up. I have no makeup on. The dark circles under my eyes are so insane. It looks like I have been beaten by a gorilla. Like, it's just bad. But I don't care anymore. It's crazy. I really don't care what I look like. As long as I look clean which I shower every day, just so everyone knows. I do shower every day. But I don't really care. Like, people are like, you should get some work done or get, you know, I just need medication. Like, I need to be able to to live at this point. I've been a little hopeless, which is, I know, very upsetting, but I've never felt like that in my entire life, and I do feel like that lately. I'm talking about the world. I don't mean with my life, but I mean, like, what's going on in the world and what's going on in this country. It's just everyone is so divided. And I'm like, I know a lot of you will relate to this, but I'm like the truth teller. I see everything and it's just insane. I can't just walk with blinders on. Um, I'm also not a horse, so it, it would be crazy for me to walk down the street with blinders on. Sometimes I feel like a horse, I gotta be honest with you. Do you know how big horses' penises are? Do you even call a horse's penis a penis? I don't know. It's so disgusting. They're enormous. Uh, enormous. I once watched a video. Oh my, I can't believe this is coming out right now. But the person that I'm doing the podcast with today, Tim Dillon, he possibly has been with a horse. So I'll, you know, this isn't that offensive to talk about this and then interview him. But um, and maybe he has a, a dick the size of a horse. I don't know. We'll ask him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, it's caramel in my throat. We'll ask him, uh, is it caramel or caramel? Oh, gives a shit. We'll ask him if he's ever been with a horse or he's probably seen a horse's dick, but he probably, I'm sure he hasn't been. I hope he's never been with one, especially a pony. But I did watch a woman blowing a horse once online, and I just, it was like a car accident. I couldn't stop watching it. So enjoy the show, and uh, can't wait to hear your feedback. We're going to interview Tim Dillon now. Hi, Tim. Hi, how are you? Good. This is Tim Dillon, everyone, and I'm so excited that you agreed to do this. Thank you so much. I've, I just got back from morning radio. I'm here in Boston. I've been up for seven hours. Are you kidding so me? Well, I got up early. You know, you get up at like 5 a.m. I know. It's, it's, oh my God. People don't realize what we have to, they think this is so, (laughs) 
like so you know exciting and cool it, it's horrible like what time did you go to bed uh you know i i, I flew in i got in at like 11 30 mm-hmm. and i i went to bed at midnight and then i got up at five and then i was in a morning radio chair at six and then the host was like so you're gay <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, this early, but yes. Thanks for having me. I love when that's the first question. Like, you haven't even had coffee, and they're like, so you like ass. Welcome to Boston. <laughs> right. Were you thrown was, when he said that? I was. It was just funny because it's like, I think, it, you know, certainly with the older generation of people, it's still a thing, you know, to an extent. You know? Of course like, it is. Well, you know, they're like, well, let's just get this out of the way. Right. Let's get the bad news out of the way first and then end with some good news so people go to the show. <laughs> right. So I'm like, you know, thanks. I appreciate that, sir. And, uh, you know, fun to be. I mean, he's a fun guy. and I'm kidding around. But it's just, uh, you know, this is what it is out there. I know. I, I Well, I just want to say I just worked with Tim, with you, in uh, Austin. And you, I was dying laughing. I mean, you are well, fucking you. hysterical. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate that. I rarely say that, but I well, was. Well, that is very sweet. It's Thank true. You. It's true, and Thank everyone you. says it. I mean, everyone says that. It was a fun city. I enjoyed navigating the drunks. Uh, oh, God. There were so yeah. many annoying women there. I almost left and sucked <laughs> cock. I was like, this is this could turn <laughs> me straight to be around all these disgusting women. Yeah, it was a very drunk city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of lacks the charm of a New Orleans. It's right. Kind of. And you had a great point. You're like, everyone says how liberal it is, but then, like, everyone's got a gun. <laughs> so it's like, right. it, it doesn't feel that liberal when everyone's armed. Right. And, and has, like, swastikas on their foreheads. I know it was a lot. <laughs> right. Where did you grow up? On Long Island, right? Long Island, yeah. I grew up in Island Park, which is really like a uh, little town by Long Beach. Nobody's really heard of Island Park, but, you know, we have some great mafia history, the mm-hmm. Goodfellas guys live there. Oh, wow. You know. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a little uh, small town, you know, below sea level, you know, mm-hmm. drenched in drugs and, you know, really great, great cocaine, great baked clams. Guy, I got to go over there. It's not bad. Sounds it's like heaven. Bad. I appreciate Long Island more as I get older, and I start to understand the appeal of it, the appeal of living in a coffin. Yeah, I, I get it, too. I wish I lived yeah. in a coffin. My God. Yeah. So much easier. <laughs> I'd probably feel a lot more safe. Yeah, you're not kidding. Did you grow up on the island? Or no? no, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in South Orange, New Jersey, and I loved yeah, it. It's the same thing. Yeah. I did yeah. love where I grew up. So parents are still together? No, no. Father is remarried. Mother's a schizophrenic. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, she's living in an institution. Oh, and my that's father, great. My father is living with his new wife, mm-hmm. um, and he's checked out. He's 67, so he's now just really about his dogs. It's really about the dogs and him and the wine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and his wife is very plugged in. Like, she's very into politics so you'll go over his house and she 
uh, will be like, you know, we're living in fascism. And my father will be like, you know, Ruthie is a thinking dog. She's very smart. Right. And she's really putting it together. When you're saying things, she really puts it together. And you're like, oh, you've had a lobotomy. (laughs) Everyone's lost their mind, I swear. Everyone's lost their mind. You know, my my stepmother's ready to launch revolution from the living room. And, you know, my father is checked out. So it's an interesting time. Do they, they, your career's going incredible. Do they have any interest in that? They do. I mean, they like it. My dad, my dad likes it. He was a musician, so he understands kind of, and I was an actor as a little kid. Oh, wow. I never even knew that. From six till 12, I was an actor and I was on Sesame Street and like (laughs) some stuff. And then I toured it when I was 12. Uh, I was starting to get chubby, so that's when the business goes, hey, thanks for coming. Fatty, and, yeah. Uh, and I went on a tour. I toured around the country with Annie Get Your Gun, and we lived in a tour bus. I mean, we li- <laughs> you know, we lived out of it. You know, we stayed in hotels and different show every night. I was like 11 or I was 12 at the time. And uh, it was kind of like this, because you know when you get into the business when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I'm going to be on a sitcom. Of course. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but I ended up, you know, just doing, you know, road theater. Horrible. With, yeah, with, you know, the, there was a woman in the show who was an Ethel Merman impersonator mm-hmm. who would, you know, trash her hotel room and the tour manager would have to, like, talk her, you know, to get, you know, you know, make her get back on the bus and she'd get on with, like, mascara running down her face and she would just look <laughs> at me and she'd go, this business sucks. And I was, like, <laughs> 12 and I was, like, you know, We'd all clap softly if she got on the bus. And she would throw lamps at the, you know, she would throw lamps at the walls of the hotel. And then when she got on the bus, we'd all be like, Rita, you know. And uh, she said to me, she said to me once, she said, I stole a little box of cereal from uh, the hotel breakfast. And she said to me, she goes, never stop doing that in this business. That's the only way you'll win. I remember that at 12 years old. I remember going this is really crazy so I took a break and and then I did cocaine for a decade and then at 25 yeah I started comedy so so they're they're kind of used they're they're kind of show business people in a way so they do they do appreciate what's happening right I get it okay and who was on the road with you which parent my mother my mother came on the road and oh um, boy which i think ended their marriage like I, they were not it wasn't great before mm-hmm. you know because they slept in separate bedrooms and you know my mother went and collected mcdonald's toys that she thought she was going to sell later in her life so wow. this wasn't exactly you know stable home but uh mm-hmm. i think at that point when she left for two months I, it was just like the breaking point well when we as soon as we got back they Literally the day I got home for the two and a half weeks, two and a half month tour, mm-hmm. my my father said to my mother, as soon as we walked in, he goes, listen, whatever you want, if you want to make it work, we can make it work. And if not, we can just end it. My mother's like, let's just end it. And I was like, welcome home, you know? Right. Um, so it's your fault. Yeah. yeah. So, so, well, they were baby boomers. It was really about them. Right. <laughs> you know? I grew up the same way. I, and we yeah. were at this about the same age when our parents... I was 12 and 13. Yeah, it was very hard. It's a tough age. Very hard to go through that at that age. Yeah. It was yeah. very tough. And then I got out of the business because there's not a lot of roles for uh, – because they, they start casting 30-year-olds who look 12 at that point. Right. You know? Yeah. 
So I was out, and then you know it was a, it was a, it was a rough go of it. It was a dark period, mm-hmm. you know, which has continued. <laughs> I know that's what I keep talking about with people. It's like it never really gets better. This business is just even if you have stuff going on, it's horrific. Yeah, it's just a, it's a con- you got to really constantly always work to evolve and get mm-hmm. better, right? And also deal, you know. And I have the mind of an addict, so I have to just. Always make sure that I'm, you know, staying healthy and staying positive and as positive as you could be and, like, not, you know, drifting into thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Because I never, like, I'm never, like, a drink looks good or drugs look good. I'm, like, seven or eight years out of that. But I can lapse into the type of negative thinking. Right. A lot of people don't understand that, that it's a disease of the mind and it's really intense. Yeah. It's not just oh, drinking and drugs, it's like uh, you can become resentful and bitter and Mm -hmm. you can just shoot yourself in the foot, you know, in so many ways. I mean, what do you think, because I'm riddled with fear. I mean, I talk about it on stage, but what do you think is your biggest fear or some of them? Like what's hard, you know? I think not really finding like love. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think that's a big fear. Like not having a, a reciprocal loving relationship and then you know, basically just mortgaging my self-worth on this incredibly unpredictable business. I, I mean, know. It's, you were, you know, we're in a fun house and, you know, you're kind of, you walk around and you're like, you don't, you know, the other night for no reason, I just went on Reddit and I Googled my name and like, <laughs> you have so many people saying, oh, this guy's great. We love him. And then so many people that are like, uh, we hate him. We think he's a liar. We I don't know. Think he ever did drugs. We think he's lying about that. And I'm like, why would I? <laughs> what would I? But it's just like, and I don't know why that upsets me. But it's like, oh, it upsets me because I, I, I'm putting out all the things that I'm being honest and vulnerable and telling you things that mean something to kind of divulge. And right. Like, okay, this is my story. And yeah, I want something from it. I want you to laugh at it. I want you to be entertained by it. But then to have people be like. Oh, is it even real? And is he is this gratuitous? And da, da, da. it upsets me. And then I'm like, oh, I just why am I on this fucking website reading about what anonymous people think? Who cares? I you know? deal with it all the time, and I purposely will look to like make myself miserable. It's really sick. Right, right. Yeah. Like there's sometimes I go, I Google myself, and I'm like, I know this is going to make me miserable, and I'm that's why I'm doing. It's insane. Right. Like, I know yeah, I'm going right. to read stuff that's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I had one one comment. Yeah, and some people are just hilarious with the comments, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some people are very funny. Like, when I, I, I don't mind a funny comment. Like, when I did Joe Rogan, one of the top comments on, on the YouTube live stream was, why is he having Roseanne on again? <laughs> that's fun. Right? So, like, great. That's great. But, like, the people that are literally not being funny and are, like, just tearing you apart. It's just mean-spirited. It's just rough. It's just rough. (laughs) You know? I know. And it gets to all of us. I know that we all like to say, there's very few people I know it doesn't get to. I know all of my friends, it does kind of get to you, whether whether you try to put up that armor or not, you know? Yeah. And what you said before is so true. You're being so vulnerable because you also like me you talk about what's really going on and and struggles you have and then people are attacking you and you're like i am being so vulnerable right now (laughs) 
and not just making fun of everyone else. I mean, that's why you're so good because you don't just get up there. You know, it's really well, I vulnerable. It. It's like, and you know, it's just funny to me that, uh, you know, there are people that debate, you know, there are people that say, I bet he's not gay. I bet this is a thing he's doing. It's so I bet funny. I, I, it's so great. Like, and they, there's literal threats about people debating. And you're just like, this is such an interesting, I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm like not at all, even on the D list, list of fame. So if you know who I am and you have an opinion about what I'm doing, it's like you're plugged in potentially to an unhealthy degree. You know? <laughs> right. So it's like, it's like just interesting that like that, like I get people, you know, not that I get it, but I, it makes more sense to me when people are like debating the Kardashians. Right, of it's course. Like, yeah, you found me and this is the person you've chosen to have a strong opinion on. It's like, oh, this is interesting. Right. I mean, I don't even know your story, which I'm sure you've told a million times, but I want my listeners to hear it. And of I don't. Of course. When did yeah. you first realize you were gay? Because this is really, um, I, you know. Well, it was my agent sat down with me and said, we got to figure something out, mm. you know? So that was it. No, I, I think it was like 13, no, probably 12. Yeah. Maybe, maybe around there, maybe 11 or 12. Uh, I think I was watching home improvement. I, I thought Jonathan Taylor Thomas was attractive. And I think I was like around 12 and I, and I was like, Oh, this is kind of a problem. I was like, this is maybe something that's a problem. Mm. And then being from Long Island and going to a Catholic high school. Right. You know that type of thing. I I really hit it and didn't come out. But then you look back and you're like, was it really hot? I mean, I like bleached hair. It's like how you know was that's I hiding so, it? Like that's you know? so funny. I, I, I when I came the, out to my mother that I had a girlfriend, she's like, yeah. um, I know because every time she leaves, you're hysterically crying and like sobbing right. and standing outside. Like people don't I do mean, that I with went friends. To prom with the captain of the girls lacrosse team. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's let's be. You know, so, yeah. you know what I mean? I think she asked me and threatened me. She was like, we're going. I'm like, all right. So, it's like, when you look back at the yearbook, you're like, this is right. absurd. But, you know, I think because uh, maybe the way I sound, you know, the way I look, it's like, of course. you think of a gay guy, you think of Mateo Lane, you think of a guy who's really in shape and, like, yeah. has an eight-pack and, you know, whatever. And so, for me, it was just like people were like, Oh, this is like Kevin James, but gay. So like, when I come out on stage, the people in the audience are like, am I gay? Like, you don't even know. It's like a weird, like, mind-melting thing where they're like, oh, I don't even know. But I hit it, and I, I ended up coming out of the closet. This is kind of really late mm-hmm. by today's standards. I came out at 25. So, like, kids now are out at, like, 12. No, I, I had the at, same thing. I came out at, like, 23. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I came out at 25. Um, Why do you think it took you so long? Do you think it's how you felt about yourself or you were worried of what other people would think? I think it was it was how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. I think it was that it's all it all ties into each other. So like I I was an actor and that did not work out. So Mm -hmm. you already have one failed thing at 12 that you really throw yourself into and Mm -hmm. you try and you want something to happen. It doesn't work. And then you are, you know, living in this very conservative, you know, world of like, well, this is the way people in this world operate. Because when I was a young kid, like if I had succeeded as an actor, I would have probably came out earlier. Maybe I would have gone to a liberal arts college. I would have been much happier. I would not have been funny. 
um, and I would have done much better in the business of comedy. Mm-hmm. But the curse of being funny, and you know, um, nobody. It was like a. It was a. It was a weird thing because I think a lot of it was me because there was a lot of kids. There were kids who were out in my high school senior mm-hmm. year pretty much. So it was like me wanting to be popular and wanting to be liked and yep. wanting to be all the things. It was such a weakness on my part, and it was total 100%. I don't blame it on anyone else. I don't blame it on, the, the, the you know, my environment, didn't, which didn't help. I mean, I'm from an Irish Catholic family. Like, nobody mm-hmm. pointed out my mother was schizophrenic, even when she clearly was. Like, my mother would sit at the table and be like, there's a strong possibility Elvis is my father. And, and we... and. You know, people would be like, isn't Patty fun? You I know. know. How, like, it's all Irish denial. Catholic it's family. what's going on in the world now. Everyone is in denial. Yeah, right. Like, my family's like, isn't she a character? Your mother's a character. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a disease here. Right. She needs but, to be hospitalized. Yeah. Right. right. She needs shock therapy, actually. <laughs> um, but I came out at 25. I was a juror on a murder trial. I was in mortgage. Oh, I was in- my God. Yeah, I was in the mortgage industry after it had crashed. I mean, this is how lost I was as a human being. Mm-hmm. I was in the mortgage industry after the financial <laughs> Like, all the money was gone. Everything was gone. And I was trying to sell mortgages in, in Long Island in this, you know, uh, desolate, abandoned, you know, industry. Right. And I got a jury summons, and then they said, be a juror on a murder trial. And I was a juror on a murder trial for two weeks. And I was 25, and every day you hear about mortality, mortality. It's the best. Listen, I hate to say it. If you can't afford, like, a silent retreat, a murder trial is the best yeah. regroup you'll ever get. Yeah. And um, That's... <laughs> and it was a crazy trial. Mm-hmm. And um, a- afterwards, I said to myself, i got to come out of the closet, i got to sober up, and I'm going to try doing stand-up comedy. And this was in wow. late – Yeah, this was in, like, the summer of 2010. So then in September of 2010, I stopped drinking. I did my first open mic, and I literally – came out of the closet i got that's incredible that you had that strength life change it was a wild life change and how did your family react um my my mother was like oh well i always wanted grandchildren again this is very it's very much the boomer aesthetic i know it's all about them it was not like it it it, it, in a weird way and i'm not saying this but like you almost want like the the Southern Baptist reaction of like damn you because then it validates how long you waited you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. and I'm like see but you know then I was just like oh no one really cared and my dad was just basically like I don't have to work more right I'm like no you you can just you know golf and he's like great why so, would he have to work no, more no I'm just I'm kidding oh, he was oh lazy so he was just so lazy <laughs> that. As long as it didn't affect him, he's like, I can golf, right? I thought, I, thought, golf, I get it. I thought you I, meant to like yeah. work more to get like medication or something uh, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the dog, and I also was a drug addict, Jessica, so yeah. nobody believed me up front. They thought I was like trying to get money or something. Like I was like, and by the yes. way, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm really talking to you because I have this new foundation. So if you had $100 <laughs> I could just hold on to to donate, I would really appreciate that. So, you know, Foundation. A, a, a drug addict and a liar, when you tell someone anything, they're like, is really, are you really gay or is this a thing? Yeah, So of course. Yeah, and, but that was like the, uh, that was the genesis of, you know, starting comedy and all of that stuff. I can't believe you did all of that at one time. That's incredible. It was wild. It was wild. And I only wait till the time that I go back in the closet. It's coming, you know. Uh, it is absolutely coming for the business. Uh, 
I'm going to get a chubby wife and a sitcom. And, yeah, you uh, might have you to know. just get somewhat, like, just a chubby... <laughs> you know, you pitch these shows, they're still not really... The idea of me as a gay guy is still not... No one is comfortable with that. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I do, because yeah. you're not... Yeah. I mean, I'm not... This is the truth. People can get upset. Right. I don't care. You're not the yeah. typical no, gay man true. in so true. many ways. So and I think it's just kind of funny me. that, like, you see, you meet with all these Hollywood executives. They're like, because they're always like, we want different. We want different. And then you walk in and they're like, oh, not that different. Right. <laughs> not that. I know. And it different. is fascinating. I mean, it is yeah. because you're like a guy's guy. You have all these friends who are whatever they are. Yeah. I don't want to say straight. You know, some of them are yeah. who knows, whatever. But they're straight male comics. And they're so. It's. It doesn't even matter to them. It's cool. Like I. I love that yeah, you hang out with all, all these guys. You know, I think as as comics, um, you know, and I talk about it in my act. I've, I have a few jokes about it, but it's not a central theme of my act. You know, mm-hmm. um, I. You know, the central themes of my act, I would say, are self-loathing and rage, and yeah. then you know, occasionally, I, you know, I. You know, I'll talk about the, the sexuality. It's not something that I'm running from or hiding from. It's just not a thing where every five minutes, which is funny. It's just funny to sit down in a morning radio interview and the first thing he's like, okay, so you're gay. Like, let's just get the audience ready for that. Just in case you, you suck a dick in the in the studio by mistake, right. everyone knows why. In case you touch my asshole without asking. Right. I just want yeah, to put I it out there. Yeah. yeah, I know. I have the exact same situation because I don't – it's a part of my life, but it's not all of who I am. It's a it's a small part of who I am. And I, so of I don't course. talk about it. I talk about it, but I don't like – it's not the major focus of my comedy. And I right. feel uncomfortable when it's the first thing that's talked about because it's it makes me feel so vulnerable and I'm being labeled. And I hate that. Right. Right. It feels weird. It feels odd. And it's like, uh, I kind of laugh at it now, but it's one of those things where, because there's all kinds of different comics. Like, you have to come out on stage. I have to come out on stage. A lot of comics don't. So, a lot of comics can Mm -hmm. kind of just, they get on stage and people assume that they're gay, and that's great. And they just present as gay. But when you don't present in that way, you then have to let the audience in on it. Absolutely. You know, it's a different thing than somebody who might get up and like in the first five minutes or the first five seconds, the audience is like, Oh, I get this. Do you feel the homophobia? Like, do you feel it from the crowd? Sometimes I feel, you know, it's interesting. I think, cause I've been doing comedy now about nine years. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably about eight and a half years. So in the beginning, it was a lot, different like it was I think worse like I think that when I would come out on stage there would be audible groans he'd be like oh like literal like you know people would I think one person said gross once I was in Long Island you know such an <laughs> gross. I love that yeah it's great they were like gross you know yeah um and but it's really gotten better I think there's confusion mm-hmm. I think more than outright homophobia there's a lot of confusion. I understand I that. There are yeah. people that are like, wait a minute, what? I've seen the facial expressions of people are like perplexed and they're really like, wait a minute, what did he say? And then there are people that still don't get it. It mm-hmm. still will ask me if I'm married to a woman after the show. Like they don't get it. 
they don't a lot of people don't think that what I'm saying or what any of us are saying has any validity. I they think it's we're true. Just saying something for a joke. Yeah, totally. And when you I when I asked you before about the relationship stuff, I just want to go back to that. Have you ever been in like in love with a man not in a, a relationship? Serious, not a really serious relationship. Yeah, it's know? hard. Not where it's really serious because I started comedy and came out. You know, most people come out of the closet. They're like okay, I'm going to take a year or two and, like, figure out who I am. I got right into this business the same month. <laughs> so yeah, literally, and I don't want to blame that because that's not the whole reason, I guess, but there's a lot of time that I've spent just doing comedy and, like, com- there's not a ton of gay people. Like, it's a great dating thing if you're straight. Mm-hmm. Not that it's great, but it's, like, the majority of people doing this are straight. It's much more likely if you're a straight person that you're going to meet somebody doing this than as a gay person. You know, I could count the amount of gay comics on my hand right. really, that I see frequently. So that's why a lot of gay people at comedy, by the way, have to be successful at it because we don't get anything else out of it. That's true. That's like, very it's, it's true. Really not a dating service. Me and Mateo Lane will talk about like, you know, there's not a ton of, like, there are gay people that go to shows, but a lot of them are coupled up. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys will have women come up after the show and be like, you were so funny. But with gay guys, there's very few, like, gay people, I feel like, don't go to comedy as much. Certainly not in some of the places that I play. Mm-hmm. And I get it, you know, because they're like, fuck this. You know, we have one night off. Yeah, we don't want to get killed also. I mean, people. Yeah, we don't want to go to this converted bar in Missouri that's mm-hmm. a comedy show to go see the clown, you know? <laughs> it's like, I get it. I get it. You know, it's like, I used to think comedy was kind of lame when I was a kid, too. Like, other than, like, Carlin or, like, I love Joan Rivers always. I love, like, SNL. But, you know... I'm the same exact a- way. That's so funny. I was never yeah. a stand-up comedy fan, ever. Never, like, a huge fan. And I love, like... Patrice O'Neill and I love like there were certain people I love but then like I just for the most part like I would never go see a generic comedy show but I would go see like a play that yeah. I didn't know anything about so it was weird like because I think even back then I kind of knew comedy was the circus and I'm like well if you're in a play at least there's some level of, like somebody casts you in a play mm-hmm. whereas with comedy it's like oh this is just someone literally with a microphone i know it's so odd isn't it i can't yeah it's it's wild i never realize what i do and sometimes i'll sit back and be like this is insane that i'm getting on stage trying to make people laugh at me yeah but you've been so great at it for so long and i remember people talking about you when i started as as somebody who was just great you know thank you, you you have that but this is a rare quality that wears like you're respected by everyone, like everyone in the people that are alternative and then people that are like mainstream club people and then people that like play banjos on stage and wear wigs. Everyone thinks you're great. Like that's a rare quality to have. Thank you. What do you, I hear that about you too. So that should make you feel good. Well, I have I really a lot of do. compromising photos of people. So that's part of, that's right. part of how I've been able to, yeah, you hope. I mean, you hope people like you hope your colleagues respect you. I mean, that's, you know. Everyone does respect you, but now I'm thinking about it, you probably do have a lot of information and yeah, pictures. I mean, I, yeah, and... I, who knows? I mean, I have, no, I don't, really don't have any information, but it's why, like, it, I, I, you know, everyone they will ask me, they're like, 
like I had a friend say to me, like, so you must be going to like some Hollywood parties right now. And I'm like, boy, do we have different, <laughs> boy, do you have a real big misunderstanding about what I do. Um, and they're like, do you know any of the closeted movie stars? I'm like, are you high? Like, have you relapsed? What are you? You're like, I'm trying yeah. to find a 7-Eleven to get a string cheese for dinner. Like, I, this yeah, is a horrible. Right. I'm like, I'm trying to remember if I fed this cat. <laughs> um, you know, like, and they're like, you know, they're trying to get me to out the, twi- they're like, do you know if the kids from Twilight are gay? I'm like, well, if they were gay, they're, they're not coming to see me do stand up <laughs> and then trying to hook up with me after the show. So. Whatever they're doing, I'm sure is, you know, whatever it is. But I think there's a lot of closeted. Like, I think mm-hmm. one of the things that it's very interesting is how many people are still in the closet all over the place in, like, public life. Like, mm-hmm. in, in movies, in sports. Like, I thought by now there would be some more big movie stars that were gay or big sports people that are gay. And it's, like, still not the case. Yeah, that's why I always laugh when people are like, oh, everyone accepts it. Everyone's fine with it. I'm like, what? Right. You're not right. That's not true. It's <laughs> okay. Right, it's right. easier here. We're in New York. But right. it's not, I'm not going to go to the middle of Arkansas and talk about being gay. Like, I, I just don't do it. Right. It's not going right. to help my set. It's going to actually make it a lot harder. Right, right, right. And if it wasn't that accepted, people, you would see more you know, famous people and more sports people because you know that there are gay people in those professions that can't come out because they've been told it's going to end their career. Right. Yeah, that's why I give you so much credit for being out there and courageous. Well, you know, I I thought when I got into comedy, I'm like, if I can't be honest, I don't think I can be funny. Right. You know, because I can't... I meet some people in this business and I'm like, oh, they're going to succeed so well because you meet them and they're just trying on a new personality every day and Mm -hmm. they're like well what what'll work today and i'm like oh you're gonna do so well because you don't care at all about any level of honesty even Mm -hmm. with yourself like you're just built to succeed in this because whatever anything is you'll just do and with me when i got into this i'm like the only way I know how to be funny is as me, so I have to just be me. I'm the exact same way. I can't, even yeah. if it bombed, I can't just talk about things that I can't relate to and I don't feel strongly about, and I have right. to be real. I can't, it's right. not, if I right. don't find it funny and it's not honest, it's it's not going to work. Right. Same I, way. Yeah, I mean, were you, did you grow up an only child? I was an only child. Oh, wow. That makes a big difference, too. That is a lot of pressure. It's very strange. Um, As I grew up, I I thought everyone was very close with their siblings, but I started to realize a lot of my friends aren't close with their siblings. It was very interesting. I always, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's it's kind of odd in that. But, you know, I think I make friends easier because I'm an only child and stuff and mm-hmm. and you're just in an adult world when you're young because your parents take you places and that you meet their friends and you know you just become an adult a lot quicker yep yeah it's so interesting I mean but that's just I'm thinking about it an only child with a mom who is you know has mental yeah oh god Problems. it's mental illness and then a dad who it seems like I'm sure is a good person but just was not present a lot. Yeah, well he was he's a good person on another planet. I'm like, I hope you have another family. Yeah, my uh, mom is I on another planet too. 
I mean, I think she used to visit it, and now she lives there. Like, she has hunkered down. You know, and I love my dad, and my dad's a good guy, but he's like, he's also never asked me, like, are you in a relationship? How's your love? Like, he doesn't ask about any of that. I'm like, is he is he uncomfortable by the topic, or does he literally only care about himself? <laughs> when right. What's worse? I know that is. I think I'd rather him be homophobic than just I not even care at all. Yeah, like he's never asked me. He loves the career. He loves all of that stuff. But he's never said like, "Are you dating anyone? What's going on?" Like, there's absolutely no. But these are very unhealthy people, and he pursued music for fifteen, twenty years at the expense of everything in his life, including his marriage. And I mean, and not that his marriage would have worked out anyway, but like, you know, he was kind of like one of those people who like has a tremendous ability to just create the world he wants to live in and live there. So right. I, you know, I've never brought, nobody in my family really has ever asked me, are you seeing anyone? Like my cousins have that are younger, but like my uncle, he, like my uncle came up to me once, this was like two years ago. And he's like, I just want to let you know, I have no problem with your lifestyle. I was like, thank you. You know, like I was like, this is 1986. Like, it was just a strange, it was a strange thing. He's like, I just want to let you know I have no issue with your lifestyle, you know. Yeah, I know and, what you mean. You're like, yeah, where did this like, even oh. come from? And so then, and then the I went to Christmas this year, and one of like our cousins, but he's older. I don't know how he's related to us, but he's like, he's there with his children. And he's a financial advisor and not a great one, you know, because he's Irish. So he's great. He's, he's real good. Everyone, when they, when they, when they want to know what to do with their money, they go ask Malachi and Ronan at the bar. <laughs> he tells them to, to invest do. in potatoes. I, yeah, no, we're, we're good at spinning a long web of bullshit and, you know, <laughs> right. song and dance and whatever. But he, and this is just where my family is with the comfort level. He goes like this. He's talking about his, uh, one of his clients in San Francisco and he goes, him and his part, like he doesn't even use the word partner. He goes, him and his roommate. Oh, that's I love house. roommate. It's amazing. So they want me, like they. I, he goes, I was talking to a friend of mine. You know, one of my clients, him and his roommate are buying a house, and I'm like, oh, you can't even say partner or husband or boyfriend. Yeah, because it's a holiday and you feel like it would be weird. And I'm like, oh, these are like backwards people. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are kind of like antiquated backwards people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That I chosen to not spend as much time around like yeah i mean i did a whole podcast episode after christmas where i was like i'm kind of partially retiring from my family like i'm gonna go (laughs) still stop into the office every now and then but you know for right now i'm taking a sabbatical well if you're not getting anything out of it what's the point right i mean some kind of yeah i have so many people in my life that are so like that are like hey are you, you know they're into they're into me and they love having me around and they're families that will invite me over for holidays and they it's are great. interested in my life and they are like are you dating anyone what's going on and they have a real concern and then I go to like my family and they're like drunk and they're like doing the hokey pokey <laughs> and I'm like they're insane they're talking about how great you know uh Donald Trump is and I'm like okay this is this is fun but this is like also not the reality like if right. I had someone that I cared about I don't know that I'd want to bring them there you know so my aunt Kathleen could you know talk about what a great father Trump is in a Percocet haze you know like <laughs> <laughs> Percocet haze <laughs> you know Wild. I know they're so detached everyone is just on a, everyone's on another planet now it's do you wait do you go to visit your mom 
Like, do you? I do. I go like once a week. Wow. I go as often as I can. Oh, that's amazing, and Tim. I talk to her, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you know, she's with it. She gets it. She gets that I'm doing good stuff. But she, you know, she's somebody else. With like, if she didn't live in this place, she wouldn't take her meds. There's nothing I could do. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing. I, if I had ten million dollars, if I was filling the garden, I could put her in a mansion. Right. And guess what? It would be the same thing. I know. Because. There's nothing I can really do other than visit her and be present, but she's got to be somewhere where they're making her take her medication because if not, she gets very paranoid. I mean, this is a real disease. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really intense. It's, yeah. uh, it's really real. How long has she been there for? You know, she was there, uh, she does this 2000 and maybe 2009 or 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been, you know, she's been in, I'm 34. She's been in and out of places since I'm, you know, ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade. Wow. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's been, I asked the doctor, I'm like, is this hereditary? He's like, not really. He's like, what it is, is, you know, an imbalance that, mm-hmm. you know, you really, here's the thing. It really kind of just showed itself early in life. Nobody, you know, called it out. She wasn't treated. And it just became a thing where as she probably went through menopause, you know, hormonally, something happened and then it just became. And this is what happens when you don't talk about things, you don't treat things. So true. It's so true. And this is the generation that they lived in where out of sight, out of mind, just let people do what they want. And. You know, and that was unfortunate. But you know, there's not much that we can I can do now except just be, you know, a, you know, good son. Yeah, and you are. I mean, that's so great yeah. that you're, you know, like showing up. You know, a lot of people don't. I don't mean physically. You know what I'm saying? Like emotionally, you show up for her, and yeah. it's all on you being an only child. But yeah, it definitely. She, I love like she'll say to me, she'll be like. She says things that I feel like are very accurate in a weird way. Like right. she'll she'll look at me. She goes, "You know, you're too overweight to be on television consistently." And I go, <laughs> "Yeah, you're probably right." I know. I understand. My grandmother go, was yeah, like, "You that. might be right." She goes, "They'll put you on every now and then, but just not consistently." I'm like, "Okay, well, you're you're right." <laughs> yeah, you're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, you're. I'm like, you're right about that. <laughs> so <laughs> you know? funny. You know, so it's like she has this weird. You know, just you know, cut to cut to the chase. Right. I, my grandmother was the same way. She would look at me and be like, "You you look horrible, absolutely right. horrible. You look sick." <laughs> and right. I was grateful that she was honest with me because everyone's like, "You look great," you know. And I didn't look great. <laughs> what I love, by the way, one of the things about you that I think is great is you can you always know when there's somebody who's completely psychotic in the room. Like, oh yeah, because always, I grew up with crazy a crazy family, so you I always yeah. know. And one of the things that makes me laugh so hard is when you'll just point out somebody in the room and go, watch that person. <laughs> and then, like clockwork, like within 10 minutes, there's a scene. Like, a, some, you know, and the, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, you have this weird, it's like a gaydar, but for crazy people. Like, you know. I do. I do. You know I know. going to be a problem in an audience. You I know do. Yeah, it's amazing. But I'm serious. It is because of growing up with moody parents. I mean, that that right. is what I, I was always on edge and looking around and making sure that 
you know, everything was okay. I said the right thing. I was always filled with fear that someone would explode. So I, yeah. I can pick it out. Plus, I had so many crazy people in my, and I don't mean, I mean, I'm crazy too. I mean, like, sure. they turned okay. on me, and it was a horrible relationship, and I couldn't get out of it, and I can be bullied right. very easily. So, I'm really weary now about who I let in my life. Of course, you got to be very careful. You know, because yeah. your wife is great. She's so great. Like, Thank you. you. You could just tell that you're, you really sur- now surround yourself with really good people. I do, for the most part. I, I really yeah. try because I, I'm too, things are already too hard. I, I can't right. be around a lot of negativity. It's very hard yeah. for me. Absolutely. I, I, am, I just want to say I am so grateful that you are, did my podcast because no, I— No, thank you so much for having me. I love—you I, know, I didn't know a lot of this, so it's, it's so interesting for me to hear well, and for the audience to hear. And Yeah, well, hopefully some of them tell my father because he doesn't know a lot of it. Um, I'll, no, I'll call him. Um, I'll tell him. <laughs> I'm going to tell He'll him, He'd be like, too. Jessica, great. He'd know all about your career. <laughs> he'd be like, it's so good. Bill Burr's doing the special. And then if you said something real, he'd be like, hold on, I'm getting another call. Right, right. Um, they d- immediately know? disappear when it's about feelings. Yeah. Immediately. But listen, I appreciate you having me on. You're the best. Well, Tim, tell good people where they this. can reach you. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, where I, they can I get in touch with you. Called Tim Dillon is going to hell. Um, and it's just, you know, it's very, it's funny. It's, it's all over the place. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, you could get that on iTunes. Uh, Tim J. Dillon, D-I-L-L-O-N, on Twitter and Instagram. I do one-minute Instagram videos that are kind of funny. They're hysterical. Yeah, they're really funny. And one of them I played Megan McCain that people really liked. And another one I did in L.A. with a a bunch of Instagram influencers who are – they stand in front of a wall and take photos of themselves as the world burns, literally. It's so Um, funny. (laughs) So – those are kind of fun. So Tim J. Dillon, D-I-L-L-O-N on Instagram, if you're into that stuff. But like, uh, you know, I'll be in L.A. a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I'll still keep my apartment in New York, but I'm kind of going out to L.A., you know, in June, like semi full time. So we'll see what happens, you know. Well, you're, you're know. yeah, you're, you're, you're going to hit very hard. Uh, you are well, hitting. We'll yeah, yes, you are. You're, you're, you're getting, yeah, you're getting basement, more and more. You really are. You're you're so fucking funny. I mean, I belly laugh from watching you. Well, and it, I appreciate. And I I really want you guys to check him out. Get checked him out because it's here. He's so different. You're so honest and real, and yes. it's just it refreshing. It really is. Well, thank you so much. You're the best, and I appreciate you having me on. And I hope to see you when I get back. I'm in Boston right now, but I hope to see you when I get back to New York. Absolutely. I love you, and I'll All see right, you babe. soon. Love you too. Okay, thank honey. You. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. 